Hey, this is Andy Mason. I'm the director of Heaven and Business. And just want to say, if you wanted to create an impactful kingdom business, then jump on over to my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. They've got this podcast called The Eternal Entrepreneur. And grab a hold of that, download it, subscribe, follow them. It's just a great, great resource. Eternal Entrepreneur, we believe faith comes by hearing, and so do business skills. You'll hear powerful stories and strategies to grow your business, directly from Christian leaders who have done it all before. Catch us on Mondays for lunch breaks, our bite-sized business series, and twice a month on Fridays for faith-inspiring interviews. Well, hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton, and we could not be more excited to share our conversation with Andy Mason. Andy is the director of Heaven in Business, a Bethel initiative that helps people partner with God at work. He is also an accomplished author and consultant. He has multiple books, including God with You at Work, which will launch you into a new realm of partnership with God. Well... Andy, welcome. It really is an, an honor to get to have you on Eternal Entrepreneur today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Joe and Pierce. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, Andy, we usually like to start off, especially with guests who it's their first time on the show, getting a little bit of your backstory, your origin story when it comes to entrepreneurship. Can you kind of just share with us, how did you end up hanging out with entrepreneurs, empowering entrepreneurs, and where did God kind of knock on the door in that story? Yeah, great question. If I just straight up, I'd say I'm probably more of an entrepreneur as in inside companies developing, starting things rather than starting things from zero. Although heaven and business has been very much that and everything I've done in the States. Welcome to America. <laughs> like you're going to be an entrepreneur or die um, <laughs> as in you've got to start and build and grow. But from New Zealand. Uh, that's my background. I thought I was going to always be working in the agriculture. So I thought I would be working on a large corporate, you would say ranch. So I did a couple of years on a large training farm in New Zealand. So 12,000 sheep, 500 cattle, horses and dogs. Loved it. Loved, loved, loved. And I thought that's what I would be doing and was encouraged to get some qualifications because it opens up more opportunities. So ended up doing an agricultural science degree. All along, have grown up in a family that just loves Jesus above everything else. And I recall, or actually my mother recalls, I don't recall, that we had the speaker come through church when I was about 13, missionary. And apparently I went to my mother afterwards and said, Mom, God spoke to me and said to study agricultural science and that I'm going to help people practically as well as spiritually. So when I end up going doing this agricultural foray and learn the real basics of practical share a sheep, build a fence, uh, move animals, then I came back to her and said, now I'm going to do this agricultural science degree. She said, well, yeah, that's because you told me you're going to do that, whatever, five, six, seven years ago. So it's just like, oh my gosh, the conspiracy of God. So I did that and realized the further I got into that, uh, the, the less I could really help people unless I had more practical experience. So then worked and got a job as an agricultural business consultant in New Zealand for five years and loved that. Really, that looked like going around typical operators in New Zealand, sitting on their, their all-terrain vehicle as we go around the property, eating their double chocolate muffins and fresh bread for lunch. It, like now I look back and think, wow, what a life. It was just so much fun. 
and then develop strategies of how they can increase productivity or set it up so that the kids could take over the property and the business. And I learned probably so much more in the process. And then I got a little bit of bored of that because I was sitting inside an office too much, not out on the properties. And so my brother-in-law was actually working in a bank and I was jealous of what he got to do with my clients, as in very different to banking in the States. It looked like going out, sitting down with our clients on their property, which was their business, and asking them what was success to them, what were their dreams, what were their desires, where they were going in their life, where they wanted to be, and then developing a pathway from where they were to where they wanted to get to. And my background in the practical farming and in the business consultancy just set me up ideal to do this. And we'd use the resources of the bank to help them to achieve their dreams, which is just amazing. And other language, I'd say it's pastoring. I literally got to go from being a shepherd of sheep to a shepherd of people, helping them get to what they're called to do, what they dreamed of doing. And so that was kind of the background. I then, through local church, got to go in and out of a country in Africa and launch some microfinance programs, some orphan leadership development. So definitely entrepreneurial in terms of starting things that can self-sustain, that grow bigger than you, as opposed to starting things that are only dependent on you. No, that's just a job. So as opposed to a business, something that would sustain or go beyond you or would have some ongoing inherent value that could be traded, sold, or someone else would take over. So we did that, and then it got to 2008. I was married. We had four children under the age of six. So that's called one impressive wife, as opposed to me being smart. And we were praying about a future, and just since there's some change, but not really sure what it was. And a buddy of mine said, why don't you pray whether God's leading you geographically somewhere different, which had just never entered my mind. And within one week, I heard God say, leave everything. Actually, both of us heard God say, leave everything and go to a new country, which I thought, where? Where would we go? And as we prayed and fasted, actually, over the next two weeks, we just heard God say, it's America, as in the USA, and it's Redding, California. And we're like, why? America's full of Christians. Since I've learned, no, no, yeah, no, not like that at all. Maybe in name, but certainly not in character or nature. And so that's what led us to the States. And I did a ministry school with Bethel Church. And through that, loved the whole concept of you know, heaven on earth, praying for sick people. But the way I'm wired is, what about sick businesses? What about sick business people? Dysfunctional business. Like, what, what does it look like to carry the presence of power of God in the workplace? And they said, well, we're not doing anything. You do something. I'm like, oh, surely there's someone else. Perhaps that's the entrepreneur. If you're listening to this and you're waiting for someone to start something, it's you. Just do it. Like, just do it and get some people around you that are smarter than you and you'd be amazed what happens. So we started what we've now called Heaven and Business, which is really, you know, how do you partner with God, take risk, expand, get ideas, get solutions and grow. That's just been an absolute blast. Painful, challenging, so it's a, literally a self-funded department of a church. And then alongside of that, a lead authentic solutions, which is how to get clarity for what's next and the courage to do it, which brings in my background of consultancy plus the integration of spiritually listening to the voice of God in all that we do. Wow. 
I'm curious, as you were learning how to partner with those different farmers and ranchers and business people there, had you started learning how to partner with God yourself in your day-to-day business activities? Or is that something that came later on in your journey? Had, Had you compartmentalized it? Great question. Really good question. Like if I fast forward, I would say I am doing now for others what I wish someone did for me. Just think that's so many people is it you know the very well where God meets you, the, the hole that you dig that God meets you in becomes the well or the reservoir from which you can help others just like you. So when I was so for example, working in the bank and it, and we're going to jump into identity, but if I jump into a different story, I'd be just praying, God, I was going in and out of different countries as a mission, like on mission trips and seeing miracles. You know, people healed of STDs, sexually transmitted diseases got healed. People with demons get delivered. In Asia, like, oh my gosh, this is real. It's like, this is real. Well, why, why doesn't any of that happen in my business, in the, the business work that I do? And so I started to reach into that. And then I started to recognize, oh, I had a dysfunctional relationship between a father and son. And God gave me strategies or what I would say is wisdom. So the same anointing that was on me to deliver somebody from demons is on me to get wisdom for a strategy that resolves a conflict in a business. That means, number one, father and son work together. Number two, actually there's a transition that takes place that's beautiful that causes them to thrive. So we saw that happen. You know, the courage to pray for my boss when he had a headache. And then little things, just taking little risks. I would say now I look back, if I knew what I do now, I'd be so much more relaxed because I was trying to perform to do something. I was trying to, like, how do I add this to, what do I got to do to do this stuff? As opposed to, no, this is just, the, this is the, my nature as a child of God. So I've grown in so much in that. And it looked a lot like, you know, my prayer time, connecting with God, hearing what he's saying, praying into things, having to navigate, how come I prayed into this and it didn't go according to what I prayed or I thought I heard God do, heard God say. But it's been, I think it's just a lifetime journey of pursuit. And the, probably the core of it is learning that partnering with God at work is not about accomplishment. It's about relationship. Because whenever there's anybody else involved, you can only do your part. You can't control the outcome. So I'm learning that. So it's the kingdom's righteousness, peace, and joy. And when I'm doing what's right and I've got his presence, like you still doesn't determine that someone's going to get fixed or you're going to get the answer that you want or your business is going to achieve the targets that you thought it would. The next part is and joy, which is learning how to have joy, whether you're in the middle of a pandemic and shut at home or you're in the middle of political weirdness and everybody's being toxic and divisive in the middle of it. I can discover and find joy, which for me is really the core of it is about forging a friendship with God. Andy, you brought up something I want to come back to that I think is so essential. And you mentioned that you had this experience in ministry and it sounds like a show reel of some of the best things you could experience in ministry with people getting healed, delivered in so many different ways. And there came a point where the wires were connected and you saw, oh, this relationship that I have with God in ministry, this anointing, 
is now also I'm recognizing that it's present in something that I'm actually acutely made for. And I think for many folks who are trying to build out their idea of what a kingdom business could look like and are really trying to pursue that, one of the first things is that gap. They have a relationship with God, but they don't know how to fill that gap once they move into something that is the way we work in business almost pushes faith out of the box yeah. unless we're looking for it. So how did you begin to recognize, oh, I have an anointing for this. I have a, I have a spiritual gifting to partnership with God in this area of my life. And it also works here. Is there any kind of nuance that you begin to yeah. pick up on? Because that's very intuitive. Yes, really good question. And yeah, that's that divide that we kind of somehow separate the two or say that that we even call it kingdom business as opposed to no, Jesus owns every square foot into the planet's all his. So I'm, I'm thinking probably the first thing for me was when the opposite happened. When I'm starting to, I'm doing all the Christian activity, praying, fasting, doing, going on mission trips, giving, doing all of the activities. And I believe that God's called me to expand. Actually, I hear him say in a particular year, he spoke to me at the start of the year, King's going to come to you. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we have the best growth. My two colleagues in the bank were not believers. So I tell them, I'm like boldly, this is what's going to happen this year. It's going to be awesome seeing God on a favor. And that year we lost our biggest client. And then the next year I lost the next biggest client. And then the year after that, I lost another big client. All the while I'm getting accolades and favor from the bank. But this is not what I expected. When you follow God, you do what he says, you hear his voice, you step out. This is the opposite of that. Like, partnership with God, I look like I suck. Like what's going on? And what it did, and I'd be waking up the night all anxious and uptight and thinking what actually the core of it was. Uh, it took me three years. It's going to take you three minutes, but it took me three years for my wife to say to me, apparently she'd been saying this for a long time, Andy, you need to go and sort it out with God. You are so anxious and uptight. You got something's. you need to sort this out. And I got up one evening like 10 o'clock, she goes, you are not coming to bed until you sort this out. Because I'm just talking about it, like, it doesn't make sense. And why is this working? And why does it go against me? And it doesn't, it's like, I can't, all, I'm doing all the things. I'm putting all the coins into the slot machine, but I'm not hitting the this, this jackpot. Like, this, this God jackpot's not working. I'm using that language now. And so I went into my lounge, and I just start to pray. I'm like, God, where were you? I'm doing everything I know you called me to do. I'm, I'm following you. I'm seeking you. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to cross this line between the two. And it's everything has gone the opposite. Like, where were you when I lost that client? Where were you? And it's like, there's so many stories in the Bible like that. You think, where were you? And Mary and Martha, where were you? I was doing the Martha thing, not the Mary. And I just remember being on my knees, like all of this emotion coming out my eyeballs. And I'm a you know, redneck New Zealand male that's a banker, if you can picture that, like Duck Dynasty New Zealand styles, a Duck Dynasty without the beards, and just weeping, like just this broken, God, have I failed? Am I doing something wrong? And it's like I had what I would now say is, you know, call it an encounter, call it impression, whether it was literal or spirit, I don't know, but it's almost like the feet of Jesus were standing right in front of me. And he didn't say anything. But I just heard or knew, Andy, I'm with you. 
it's like I walked back through every situation of those last three years where I feel like I failed because I lost a client. I feel like, and it was my identity. It was cracks in my identity. I believe that if God was with me and God was good, then things will go good. And God was with me and he is good, but things went bad. So it must mean that God's not with me. And so he just spoke to the core of whom I am and said, Andy, I'm with you. The whole Emmanuel, God with us. And that's become a life message of learning to unravel, oh, my performance, my identity was tied to my performance rather than who I am. And that started this journey of cracks in my foundation of identity being healed so that I give my best, period. I expect the miraculous, period. I listen to his voice, but and I give my best always. I pursue excellence. But my identity is not based on what happens or doesn't happen. My identity is firmly fixed as it was already loved, accepted, adored, and connected. God is with me, period. So then I get to do this, which is, Joe, how you started us praying. God, that we get to do this? Oh, my gosh, this is a blast. It doesn't mean we have bad, don't have bad days or difficulties or challenges. But through it all, I can have joy through it all because... I'm a son because I'm a friend of God. Sometimes it's actually walking through difficulty that actually breaks off all of these false vanity metrics of somebody's walk with Jesus and gets us back to the core of it. He said, I'll be with you, period. I'm curious, Andy, because just like you said, not every day is, is wonderful. What have you really learned about what's the Christian way of saying when the poop hits the fan? What do, what do you do now when you start to feel that anxiety, when you start to recognize that you're not in a, in a place of joy? Are there some practical things that you're like, okay, this is how I get back to my identity? Yeah. Really good question. So super practical. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> like, stop. Like that's, you know, Psalm 46 says, be still and know God. And most of the business people just like get busy and think they're going to know. No, totally anti-scriptural. It doesn't work. Like, stop being, whatever you're doing, just cease your activity. And then there's a multiple thing. So number one, stop. Number two, sometimes the best thing you can do is just change of circumstance and surround. go for a walk, do 50 push-ups, jump up and down on the spot, walk around the house or the office or the building, go for a drive, get it. Like I would say, for me, get into nature and just get outside. The world is not dying. You're not going to die. Even if you lose this deal, it's going to be okay. So number one, stop. Number two, just change your circumstance environment and just be still. Do whatever it takes to work out that he restores my soul, but I've got to partner with that. Number three is obviously you want to connect with God, but some people are so jacked up, they can't hear anything in those moments when it's really, really stressful. So that's why I'd say do something physical. And for me, that's go for a run or walk up a mountain until it just takes the sting or the steam out. Now I can be still. Then there's multiple things. One is actually reflect and just remember. Great example, the disciples with Jesus, Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 5,000 people. And that was just the men. So there's multiple more than that. That's a miracle. Then they hop in a boat. Jesus says, go to the other side. They get halfway across. And Jesus asked them a question about, well, they realized they forgot to bring lunch. So he got, we just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. 
Now they've forgot lunch. And then Jesus asks them questions they don't even understand. Like it's just messed them up completely. He's like Yoda on them. And he asks them, he says, it's like, oh, guys, boys, 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 boys. You still don't get it, do you? And he asks them three questions. What did you see? Or what do you see? What did you hear? And then what do you remember? Sometimes you see what you need to do. And you need to do that. Sometimes you hear God saying something and do that. But if you get neither and you're just so jacked up, we're still clueless. At least everybody can remember. So that for me is so important to know, which we call the testimony. So when you get into that point where you're just anxious and uptight and stressed, is actually go down and actually intentionally read over stories of what God's done for you in the past. Reflect on that. It's like, ah, that's right. Remember when I was in that situation last year and the pandemic killed 40% of our income? And I was freaking out, but then I was reading Proverbs 4, and God said, don't change the subject. And then I spoke to my friend Ray, and because I couldn't understand it. And Ray was like, it's not about don't change the subjects, change the delivery. And we redid the events, but did them online, and it got us through. Ah, oh, remember that? God's got to, it's going to be okay. Hey, remember that situation with the house where God said to buy the house, but you didn't have the money to pay for it? It didn't make sense. And but you followed his voice, and then you connected with that individual who loaned you two hundred thousand dollars interest free indefinitely. Oh yeah, it's gonna be okay. Hey, remember that that testimony from last week, where that businessman learned to hear the voice of God, then went away for his thirty fifth wedding anniversary, and turned off his phone, turned off his email. He just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on testing equipment to solve an industry wide problem. And the consultants, the staff. He's about to start on that. But beforehand, he's got his 35th wedding anniversary and he's turning everything off and putting his attention on his wife and on just resting. And on the third day, he's brushing his teeth and sees a mental image. Instantly has like an engineering type executive summary of this prototype. And it's the solution for what it would have taken them two years. Before they even started, he's got now the solution. He goes to his patent lawyer and the patent lawyer who does hundreds of these a year says, this is a billion dollar idea. What have I just done? By remembering what God has done for me and for others, that repositions me. God is with me. It's going to be okay. And there's a solution to this situation. It slows me down. And then I can say, okay, God, thank you. So gratitude is another one. Oh, thank you that there's a solution to this. Now, um, I don't know how it's going to be, but you have a way. You make a way where there is no way. You lead us in paths of righteousness. You guide me. You Scripture talks about day by day. He guides the innocent. He directs their steps. So you've got a step for me. Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. What do we do with this? And then what I'll find is he'll either speak in the moment or there'll be someone brought to mind that I can call and process it with. So wise counselors, advisors, or I'll be reminded of something, or it's like I'll get nothing in the moment, but now I'm positioned to trust him. So there's a bunch of things that you can do. I love that so much. It reminds me of, you look at the story of Joshua taking over the Israelites and and moving them across the river. And the one thing that he did different with his little river move was 
the memorial stones. And he was like, listen, the one reason I was able to even to move people across this river is because one, I remember two, in order for you to even be able to abide in the promised land, you've got to remember because you're going to lose your story. You have to be connected to that story. And I think we're so good about that often in the church of thinking about, all right, what has God done recently? And staying in that kind of that process and that pattern of reflecting on what the Lord has done. But there's a promised land for your business too. There is a place that God wants to transition you into. And the way to move into that is through story, is through remembering what the Lord has done. And that keeps you there. And when we don't keep it in the forefront of our minds, what happens? We start fretting. We start regretting that we left Egypt. We start going back, regressing into old ways of operating. Think about operating. We can operate from the spirit or we can just be an operator, you know, business operator. And there's so much power in that. I don't know. It's really good. Really, really good. Yeah. And, and to double down on that, Psalm 78, I believe it is Psalm 78 or Psalm 73. It talks about the tribe of Ephraim that goes into battle fully equipped. So they're the elite fighting force. They terrify their enemies. These guys are bow and arrow people. So they're like like an entire tribe of snipers, just crazy. And it says, but they turned back in the day of battle. It's like the day you're supposed to do that pitch, the day that something you got the news that you didn't get the loan that you expected. It says they turned back in the day of battle because they forgot their testimony. Wow. That's just so true. It's so I have to remember, just like you said, Pierce, I've got to remember the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, what he's done in the past to do it again. If I will hold back and feed myself on that and not feed myself on everything else that's negative. That's so good because if you don't do that, even Christians, I think, can default to the pattern of worldly thinking, which is, you mentioned the loan example. A lot of folks are trying to get loans right now for different reasons. You default to a fear-based mindset, which puts everything back in your control. And the Lord may be working on your behalf, but you are completely isolated from what he's doing. You could abide in that moment in the exact same way, and a good outcome would come. And the entire time, you're, you're focused on the fear even though he would have fought that battle for you or is fighting that battle for you and you're just not paying attention to it. That's fantastic. So let's go a little bit deeper into the intimacy aspect of things. What are some of the things you do on a a daily basis to kind of develop that intimacy out and build a pattern of your life around it? Because I think that's really important. I think we oftentimes we trade in the pew for pragmatism as business leaders. Yeah, super good. So it used to, look like every morning i'd get up and i pray and spend time praying and on my own pacing the floor no walking the floor let's make it sound more spiritual and it used to be i had these so i've always had those disciplines in my life now and i just understand everybody's different if you listen to this and what i do is not a prescription for you you've got to work that out for yourself but for me journaling is a big deal of so i read like daily it's daily scripture, what I'm reading, what God's saying. Proverbs, if you're not sure where to go, go to Proverbs because it's the book of wisdom, which is the book for every single business person. And you know, it's literally 31 chapters of Proverbs. There's 30, 31 days of the month. You know exactly where you're up to. So that's just a, a go-to. So I have time in the Word. I have time 
where I journal. And so literally this morning, I'm just writing down, I'm actually doing a course with Shea Bynes at the moment on kingdom business, which is really, what is the kingdom? How does it translate to business? And this week we're talking about honor. So this morning I was actually just going through the Bible, every mention of honor and what does it mean? What's the nature of God as it pertains to honor? And then how does that translate to business? So I'm journaling that. So that's a daily process so that gives me a grid for that. My connection with him, I'm waking in the morning and just gratitude. Some people say you worship. Well, really the core of worship is just gratitude. Uh, just acknowledging who he is and his goodness and thanking him for that. So those are some core components. And then I, I guess what I'm doing through the day, I'm learning to cultivate a greater awareness of God throughout the day. So you know, if you put this into a marriage or a friendship base, if you go throughout the day and you never think of your friend, that's a distant friend. But if you go through the day and if you want to have a really healthy marriage, you're like, yeah, I think of my wife. So what do you do? You send her a text. You say, hey, babe, thinking of you, you're like, and depending on where you're at, like you might say something really saucy or you might just say, hey, really appreciate you. Pierce's wife, she's got a two-month-old. Hey, honey, I'm really thinking of you right now. Thank you so much for you know how hard you work. with just So something, what, it's a connection. So I'm learning to do that. Sending, I don't send text to God, but just throughout my day, I'm cultivating a greater gratitude or awareness. Some people set little timers on their phone to remind them until it becomes a practice. I'm finding the more that I just set my heart to pursue him, to walk with him, that intimacy becomes everything I do. So it becomes throughout the day. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm walking like three feet above the ground and not aware of anything else. No, actually, my the greater my intimacy with Jesus, the more connected I should be things with people and their pain and situations and challenges. But that's a practice that I'm working on. I want to continue to work on. And I'm getting better at when something goes bad, that I don't immediately react and try to come up with a solution, but pause, turn, go for a walk, do something differently, just like what I've told you. And that's throughout my day. That's fantastic. I think that's so good because we often think about we have no other grid other than to think about our KPIs on a day-to-day -day basis, right? You know, and if I'm yeah. quarter of a percent down, my day is ruined. And, you know, we can get so analytical about how we operate. But the, really the only thing he calls us to is to be a child, hold yeah. the hand, to reach yeah. up and to hold his hand. And that's it. It's a complete shift in mindset. But what we find is that in abiding in that shift and allowing ourselves to just go with that type of stuff you're talking about. But that's where, I think that's where the real freedom comes from. And you find that a lot of things begin to just move themselves forward anyway. hundred percent. Because when I align with that, I'm aligning with the grace of God on my life. And it's coming out of a, it's a coming out of connection rather than like something that I do. So for example, if, if, if I use this as an analogy, is if my last name was Branson and my dad was Richard Branson, you guys would immediately assume of me that I'll be operating in business a particular way. So I've got a friend who's a very, very wealthy Singaporean businessman. His 14-year-old daughter is already making $500 a day, a day, selling, what do they call it, a slime? You know, the, the sticky stuff, the kids, she makes it and sells it online. 
ridiculous. Like they're taking the money and putting it aside because like, honey, we love you. You're not having this money. And then they're walking with her in there. What's the point? Well, dad wakes up every morning and does business. It's the gifting. It's a gifting on his life. So as I align with who I am, when I recognize that my dad and the closer I am to him, his life actually spills over into mine. And I recognize that's identity. That's not something that I have to try and obtain. So what does it look like? Here's three things. So if you're listening to this, just where are you in, at this? Number one, a soldier. Number two, a servant. Number three, a friend. Biblically, I could justify every single one, but only one of them is your identity. So if I make my assignment my identity, it's like it's, it's going to mess you up. So for let's think about a soldier for a moment. A soldier successes if you talk to anyone that's been and i have talked to people that have been actually in conflict success after a period of time just becomes if i can just survive and with my buddies that becomes it starts with i'm gonna win yeah that's you with the video game but once you're in combat for a long period of time it becomes if i can survive and get home with my buddies that's going to be a win so success is survival and it's you don't engage in any other matters other than life and death because that's what it is. Now, we're called to be soldiers for Christ, but if it's become your identity, then you will not engage in civilian affairs, which means that me as a dad would be at the table and wouldn't engage in the conversation about what happened at school with my kids because it's not life and death. I'm here on a, I'm here on a mission here. And you'll miss your connection because you're not just a soldier, you're also a dad, you're also a lover, you're also a all these other things. So number one, that's a soldier, soldier for God. Number two is a servant. Success is doing the jobs, getting the task done. It looks like, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? Now, while that is also tasks that he has for you, you have assignments to accomplish. It is not your identity. So then level three, well, not level, but just as friend. What is success as a friend? Is I get to be with you. It's the, what do we want to do today? What, what shall we do today? Oh, well, we've got, this, we've got this new fund that we're putting together. Well, Father, how shall we do that? It's like, that changes everything. Success I'm, is being with you. So Sorry. what I love about that is most titles in the business world are earned, right? Even yep. if we're self-appointed CEOs yep. and we're just masters of our own domain, most titles that I can think of are, are earned and friendship is given. And so often we still take the earning mindset into intimacy. We believe in intimacy. We want intimacy. We think we can have intimacy with God, but if I'm supposed to be, you know, a good steward, I want to hear well done, good and faithful steward. Well, then I better go back to that task oriented mindset. Otherwise, what's this friendship even for? Why does he even want to have me around here? But you're right. It's that aspect of friendship. And what's so healthy about that is if you start from that position of friendship and the things that you get to do have an aspect of, of love for them, just as a side aside, I know friends and colleagues that have had parents who have been highly, highly motivated to do ministry. And they've had stories similar to what you just kind of voiced, wherein they want to connect to their, their parent and their parent is saying, 
The mission is more important. I've got to go win souls. Why are you talking to me about school stuff when there's lost people outside? And yeah. and they're forsaking the first ministry in some regard, but yeah. that that that's an aside. Anyway, I think that's so good because all the good things come from that place of friendship, but they come from a healthier place where you're not striving, you're just enjoying. Yep, 100%. And it looks like this. So it's, what does it even look like? In, and and if, if someone's listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I've screwed up. No, you're on a journey. I think we're all on a journey in growing. And when I look back and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was such an idiot in how task-focused I was and missed so much. It's like, no, that's where it's the grace of God. It's his goodness. Psalm 23, mercy and goodness follow me. Why would mercy follow me? Because I'm going to need it. It's like the the guy behind the parade that carries the shovel. Why? Because, you know, even the best parade, it's got horses, it's got cattle, there's going to be poop to pick up. That's our lives. God knows. God set that up ahead of time. He knew even on our best day, we don't match his graceness, but he wants us anyway. So what does that look like? My son, uh, when he was about 11 years old, was in a part of a football team, soccer team. And I was one of the coaches. And so there's two coaches. There's me and someone who's really good. And the other coach is from Guatemala. So they're born with a football on their ball, a ball on their foot. So what we say to the boys, all they want to do is do scrimmage. And actually, they want to do scrimmage against the coaches. So what we say to them is, if you do your drills, then we will play scrimmage. So like they're diligent. They, yes, 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 yes. Great motivation. So then we have a game where it's the boys, 11 boys versus two coaches. And who would you think to win? Well, I would think the boys would win. Well, in this case, it was the coaches. It was me and my buddy. Like we're smarter, we're bigger. I'm a bit of a thug. So I used that and leveraged my leaning on them and without hurting them. But we had some, we had some fun and we won, which was just maybe a little bit of, it was a blast. But the one thing is I kept slipping over because I had the wrong shoes on. So fast forward, we jump in the car. I'm taking my son Ben home and Ben, we're driving. It was fun. We all had fun. We learned. And Ben turns to me and says, Dad, you're really good. I'm like, you want your son to tell you that? You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, son. Yeah, yeah, I am. Right, yeah, thank you for noticing kind of thing. And he goes, no, no, Dad, if you, if you got real soccer boots, cleats, you could be in your own team, like an adult team. And, and I said, yeah, and out of my mouth comes, yeah, I could, but then I wouldn't get to play with you. And I suddenly had this revelation. That's God. If this was about accomplishing something, he would do it and do it better and actually better without us. But it's not about us. He wants to play with us. He wants to do it with us. He wants us to come to him and say, hey, dad, how would you do this? Hey, dad, would you do this with me? Like It just blows your mind when you think that the founding creative entrepreneur of the universe wants to play with us that we get to work, that he hides things for us, not from us. He wants us to seek it out because it's building something in us that as we listen and follow and obey and grow, that we start to represent his very nature. But yeah, if it was about accomplishing, he'd do it way better without us or he'd wake you morning by morning and tell you exactly what to do. It doesn't happen. Why? Because he wants to do it with you. He's Emmanuel, 
the God with us. And he's so great and so good that he humbled himself and left perfection so that he could communicate to us in our language, in our way. And he became the only God that would actually dwell amongst the people and humble himself to be with us and then literally die for us so that we can have this union with him. It's like, this is eternal life, that you may know him. That sounds like good news. <laughs> oh, you better, so good. <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe Compared to every other religion. Like, just like, oh man, that just sucks. That's a bummer that you just have to perform. Like, we've got a God who became one of us so that he could show us a way. He is so good. He doesn't use his power to rule over and dominate and control. He actually uses his power to elevate us. So us being in his shadow makes us look good compared mm. to he doesn't want sacrifices. He wants poor and contrite heart that would say, I can't do this on my own. Would you help me? He's like, I'm just waiting for you to ask. Yes, it's good news. And it's good news for all people. I remember a few years back when I was kind of working through some of this stuff, I was just going through my normal time of praying before going into work and, and doing business stuff. And I just said, Lord, you know, I just want to honor you, you know, during the day, you know, I help my heart to honor you. And he goes, I don't want your honor. And he showed me that in my particular case, honor is as if I'm looking at the president, I honor the president, right? Yeah. Whoever the president is, I'm going to give him honor because that's due his title. But I don't know the president. And so oftentimes, I think as Christians, we say, you know, yeah, I want to honor the Lord. And that, that's good, but you're going to honor him. What he wants is you. And that's a way bigger commitment than honor. It's oh, lot, yeah. It's a lot harder <laughs> to give yourself versus give your credence to something. So yeah, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. I'm not giving accolades to give my life. Yes. Yeah. I'm not just doing stuff. I'm walking with you, which means every moment of the day. So I, I love that. So it's like, okay, if, if it's, he doesn't want just lip service, how would then, how do I treat that customer? How would that honor? How would I treat that administrative assistant that's on the lowest wage? How would I, what about that, the person at the gas station that pumps my gas? How would that, so it's, yeah, we pay lip service and then miss the person, which I heard, so it's I-58 bunch of business people that are fasting and praying and taking time out to honor God. And God says, I'm actually ticked off with you because you take all this time and set it aside, but you miss that, which is most important. You're actually abusing your employees. He goes, don't you come away and do these fancy church services and retreats and conferences without doing that, which is first important. Honor me by the way you treat your employees. I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go. Man, that's so good. Well, Andy, unfortunately, we want to honor your time and we probably need to transition into our final five real quick, but oh, so good. There are so many different ways we could go for there with rest and honor and identity. That's some scrumptious stuff. So we're going to go to our final five questions that we have. We ask these to everyone. The first question is the obligatory podcast question. What are your top three must-read books, not including the Bible, these can be business, family, spiritual, even your favorite cookbook. Oh, wow. Like Favorite three. There are so many books that I'm reading right <laughs> now. I would say number one, Tattoos on the Heart, Father Gregory Boyle, Fastest Way to Stop a Bullet is a Job, Jesuit Priest who became a key in transforming gangland 
by creating jobs. Just profound. That's that's one I'm looking at my shelf. Uh, Relational Leadership by Ford Taylor is is another one. If you want to grow your business and you want to do it in a way that is uh, kingdom culture without using Christian language, that's Mm -hmm. the best book by far. I would recommend that to every single person. And then I'm looking on, I mean, there's so many other books that I would, depending on people, where people are at. Right now, there's one that I've just finished called Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. And I have loved that. If you want to build a life that is not just, you just understand that there's historical Christianity. There's so many that have gone before us that there's some weird stuff going on right now in the Christian church that's just undermining Christ, like where we put social justice at the center or I put diversity at the center. No, Christ is at the center. Uh, That's another book that I've just finished that I've just loved. And then Anything Kingdom, Miles Monroe uh, has been great. E. Stanley Jones is brilliant. Bill Johnson's books are fantastic. There's just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) there's lots of books. So you're saying it would have been easier if I said, what are your three least favorite books or name your least favorite books? That that would have been a shorter. Yeah, I think it would probably have been easier. What's your favorite books on like Uh, very specific? On a a Tuesday at 3 p.m. when you're. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's the best book? I'd be like Calvin and Hobbes. (laughs) The comic strip is the best. It's all about discipleship and getting sent out by twos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off on your entrepreneurial or for you, entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice that you're putting on that card? Three pieces of advice I'd put on that card. One, relax and enjoy the journey. Intentional. It's going to be okay. Number two, pay more attention to your wife. Slow down. Pay more attention to your wife, or if that's the case, your friends. Number three, find Andy Mason in the future and get, grab him as a an advisor or jump into a mastermind group. <laughs> that's <laughs> find someone that's like that's what I would be doing. Is Andy, you need to find somebody that's ten years ahead of you that has walked this out and just suck them dry. Meet with them. Call them if you have to do it virtually, do it virtually. If you can do it in person, do it in person. But find somebody. So I love pastors, but they tend to have a limited view of the gospel as it pertains to a spiritual walk and not to how is this going to affect my business. So if you're in business, which I was, Andy, find somebody 10 years years ahead of you in their journey with Jesus in the context of business and do whatever it takes to get close to them and learn from them. That's good. That's a good three. All right. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself? Friendship with God. Friendship. (laughs) So, so that literally is, so, okay, break that down. It's like, whoa, break that down. I can actually email you this guys. What I call is a kingdom business assessment. And it's kind of like, because business is business. If you don't have profit, if you don't have customers, you're not a business. So just <laughs> let's take that off the table. Really, it's what's kingdom success. Right. What is success? And it's friendship with God. So which is, and just score myself, compared to this time last week or last month or last year, is my awareness of the peace of God 
the same, more or less? And then am I walking in obedience responsible, responsive to internal conviction, the same, more or less? Am I following his voice in all of life? Am I experiencing joy regardless of circumstance? Am I loving well, as in kind to myself and others feel valued by me? Can I easily identify areas of risk in faith? Is the power of God demonstrated around me? And am I present with those closest to me? That's success. Mm. Everything else will come out of that. Wrap that up in friendship with God. Wow. As opposed to I raised the dead and <laughs> I gave away a billion dollars and my company employed 100,000 employees. Awesome. Those are really, really good and noble things. But if I don't have friendship with God, that's useless. That's good. That is both the most compact answer and the most broken down answer that we've we've gotten so far. I, so I do, I win? do I win something? You win, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I messed it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four. When times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting? Testimony. Definitely testimony. The history with God. It's like he didn't bring me this far to, for me to fail now. That's number one. Two is community where I've got people around me. So, you know, I'd give up if it was just me. But because I have my wife, because I have my friend, because I have that person that I'm leading, it's like I can't, like, I'd do it from, I wouldn't do it for me, but I'd do it because of them. Three, obedience. Like I've got to, it's, it's like sometimes it's just, I can't not do this. Your word is like a fire in my bones. I grow weary of holding it, and indeed I cannot, which is Jeremiah 17. It's like sometimes it's just, it just comes down to obedience. Well, question number five is, what question should we have asked that we didn't? <laughs> no, you, you've done really, really well. Yeah. What question should you ask? No, that would just start next podcast. That would start. <laughs> well, okay. I've got one more one. Tell us a little bit about the event that y'all are going to be having there at Bethel. So uh, we've got, so Heaven and Business has a series of events every year. So we, we exist to equip you to partner with God at work and engage in the well-being of the city that you serve. We do that through conferences, events, or retreats, and membership platform. So the next conference we've got is May the 26th to 28th here in Reading in person. And we've got Shay Bynes, Ford Taylor coming, Chris Valentin will be speaking, and literally will be how do you lead like Jesus in your workplace? So not just a matter of talk, but of power. How do I navigate uncertainty, all of the upheaval, all of the different things? How do I do that? So we're going to break that down. It's going to be an absolute blast having Shay and Ford in town. So that's coming up. People can find out about that, heaveninbusiness.com. And you'll see the events there and you see a link to that. Or they can jump onto, we've got a membership site with a ton of stuff to help people grow with God, grow an identity, grow in business and grow an influence. And they can see, you can try that for, for free. It's $30 a month ongoing and literally we're walking with people, teach them how to pray strategically and tactically in business, reminding you every single week of your engagement with God with a motivational minute. And then a whole library of content, which will help you literally grow an identity, grow in culture in your business, and then grow an influence. And that's at Heaven in Business as well. They can find both of those. Great. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It has, it has been fun and it's been an honor. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.